we were part of another company and as a part of the spinner we had this vision of really building um, electronics into Legos and so we really believed in it. First it's having a vision and truly believing in it and then you know through um, our buyout from our previous company we had the funding to actually invest and uh, you know develop the products that we believed in. Hello, I'm Jim Fox, and welcome to the Loom Innovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship, and the creative people who make our world a better and more interesting place to live. This is one episode of a three-episode series covering the Houston Maker Fair that took place at the George R. Brown Convention Center in downtown Houston, Texas, on October 21st and 22nd, 2017. The sponsor of this show, Pizometry, had a booth at the Maker Fair, and we had our recording equipment set up in the booth and invited several different makers, creators, and innovators to sit down for a discussion. In this episode, our guests are David Brunet, one of the organizers and board members of Innovation Spark, the nonprofit organization that runs the Houston Maker Fair. We also have a chat with Estefany, the host of a YouTube channel called Estefany Explains It All. Welcome back to the Loom Innovation Podcast. We're here at the George R. Brown Convention Center in downtown Houston for the Houston Maker Fair. And we're here with one of the organizers, one of the people responsible for this thing, David Brunet. He is, uh, he has reminded me that the T is silent. It's B-R-U-N-E-T. Hello, David. Hey, good morning. How are you? Doing fine, doing fine. This is, uh, we were just talking here off mic about the crowd. You, you think that the crowd here is a little bit bigger than you expected, huh? Uh, yes, yeah, especially considering what happened with Harvey earlier in the yeah. uh, season. You no, know, we were kind of concerned that you know our attendance might not be as high as we would like to had we had those six weeks to actually market it and that. So, yeah. uh, but it looks like you know uh, the city has responded pretty well to our event, and, and it was a good idea uh, to not cancel it. So that was uh, we're very happy that we got the response we have. Yeah, last week I was at the uh, Bayou City Art Festival and they went through the similar process of do we cancel, do we not cancel, and I think the universal answer is well, let's give it a whirl and see what happens. And I, I think the feedback I got from them was that they were very happy with their turnout as well, so hopefully hopefully that'll transfer to your event. Oh uh, uh, yes, well we also got the uh, some competition downtown with the Astros. Uh, no, go Astros for uh, Game Seven. I'm hoping and that's not actually competition. I hope that's actually adding to our crowd. We're right, right across the street, more or less, from the the stadium, so people might be coming here and lingering for a few hours and then going to the game. Right. Yeah, and hopefully they don't stay out too late and they can come back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would definitely be good. So the Houston Maker Fair is not necessarily by itself a standalone entity. It is organized by Innovation Spark. Can you spend a few minutes talking about Innovation Spark and its tie-in to the Maker Fair? Sure, sure. So uh, five years ago, uh, me, Mike Hinkle, and Andrew Lynch uh, decided we wanted to have a Maker Fair in the Houston area. Um, and so we formed a, a nonprofit organization to handle that uh, because for these types of events, they're nonprofit. Like, it's not. It's a lot about makers and getting them involved in the community. So structuring it as a nonprofit helps us, you know, get sponsors and things like that, and the type of support we need to promote an organization like that. Um, so originally it was only for the Maker Fair, but over the years we've been building upon that as we see a need in the community. Um, and so, and then we got asked by the Comic Palooza team to assist them with the maker space within Comic Palooza. Uh, and so we've actually been doing more and more events as our capabilities grow. 
Um, and um, you know, we, we started doing uh, this year, doing schoolmaker fairs. Uh, nice. We actually worked with the Region 4 uh, Education Services Center uh, for Houston uh, to set up uh, a maker fair for teachers, where we had makers come in and talk to the teachers about making and the different tools available to them. And so we actually started collaborating with them to create an educational program or method for them to kind of get in touch with the maker community and understand what's going on there. I've known of you guys for several years and I, I hadn't heard until just now that you guys were getting more directly involved in the schools and education, but that's definitely a good thing. Yes. Uh, how did that get started? What, what was the genesis of that? Um, well, I, they had heard about us and uh, Jackie Nolan from uh, the Region 4 Services Center, uh, she contacted me early, uh, probably early in spring, uh, and said, look, we're planning this event and uh, we really want to have makers involved and uh, would we would be interested in assisting them in you know, doing the first event. So that was the very first event they ever did like that. Uh, and so it was a, you know, we, I said, absolutely. I love, you know, our yeah. makers are a great bunch. Uh, you know, we put a lot of uh, blood and sweat into the community to you know, help educate people. It's very open source oriented and um, you know, community based. So you know, that we always have a lot of them that are willing to come and help move things along uh, in that space and then you know, hopefully we, we get the support back into the maker spaces and that which is what funds our overall yeah, the, community. The, the maker space and the maker fair and the, the whole maker movement is definitely growing. One of the early episodes of the Loom Innovation Podcast was with the creator space down in League City. Some of our mutual friends that work down there and or help organize that thing. And, and they're here again this week. Uh, they had mentioned way back then when they were on that they were looking forward to this event. It is definitely changing the culture. Uh, we, I just mentioned with an earlier guest today that we actually still have a lot of work to do with that because in the weeks leading up to this event, if we tell our coworkers, hey, come to the Maker Fair, I still get a lot of, what is the Maker Fair? Is there anything that you guys can do from your perspective or from your angle to help us win that PR battle? Because it's, it's, it's a yeah. tough one to fight. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely a tough one to fight, but we have to fight it together. Uh, yeah. And that's the beauty of the Maker Fair is we get everyone together. So, for example, our marketing budget for this event was $2,000. Okay. That's what Innovation Sparks put, put into our budget. But we leveraged all the different makers that participate with us. So we got the Children's Museum, we got the Harris County Public Library, and then all the different library systems that are associated with them and partnered with them. Um, and so we have them all represented. So what we're doing is we're building a community that's expanding uh, exponentially. So the Good. more we get the makers involved in our process, um, you know, the better off we are. Uh, and actually to help address that, what I did this summer is I actually ran uh, in partnership with Station Houston, I had three sessions, uh, one per month over the summer, on how to use social media for marketing. Okay. Uh, that was open to all makers to come and participate in and learn how to leverage those media channels. Because a lot of makers, they you know they're very good at what they do, but yeah. you no, know, they're not selling or they're not marketing specialized. And so what we're trying to do is give them some of those skills that they, the basic skills that they need. You no, know, there's some things that you can do very effectively. Like I said. You can use Facebook and, and you know for about fifty dollars you can actually you know if your ad is structured properly, you know, it can go a long way. Uh, whereas the old days when you got a newspaper ad and things like that, some of those things were much more difficult for you to kind of get your word out. Uh, but you gotta use social engineering to drive that. Yeah, uh, Posometry, <coughs> the sponsor of the Lumen Innovation Podcast, I know that there's been a lot of Facebook ads for Posometry over the years and you're right, with the relatively small number of dollars, you can reach a large number of people. Uh, there is certainly some skill to be learned on how to how to move that traffic into either dollars in the case of sales or doors or feet, feet in your doors in the case of what we're doing here. But there's no question that is a very cheap way to reach a large audience. What you do with that reach is, is up to you and your talent. Exactly. But yep, yep. And, and we got to put on a good show. 
right? Yeah, once absolutely. The, once you know, the first thing is draw people here and then you get exposed to it, but then you know, they got to have an enjoyable experience. So that requires all the maker spaces to put an effort in to make sure that everyone that visits them is greeted well and, and treated well and, and, and knowing that just, you know, the more and more they get involved in the community, the more and more people say, oh, wow, I love this. And, and you know, I've never gone to a maker fair and had someone say, oh, I hated that thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> totally with you that the people that, that find their way here definitely enjoy it and we're seeing that all around. Yeah. Um, I haven't had a chance to walk around much this morning. Maybe you have as part of the jobs of trying to organize this. Uh, give a rundown of some of the booths. So there's maybe I don't know how many booths are there here today. Uh, there's 140. 140 booths. Give yep. us a rundown of what we can. What a typical yeah. user so, would see. So here. we got some major key areas. So okay. we got our uh, Maker Health Tent Pavilion, uh, which is the first thing for Houston. Uh, the only other place they've done the Maker Health Tent is actually at the World's Maker Fair. Okay. Uh, the interesting thing about that is most of those makers are from the greater Houston area. Well, we've got the Houston Medical Center yeah, right here exactly. just a few miles away, one of the greatest medical centers in the country. Yeah, cool. and so we got representatives of the very first makerspace in a medical center here, um, and they're actually going to be on stage on Sunday talking. Uh, so that's one area. Uh, we have a lot of sewing in that, and we actually have uh, one of our uh, uh, makers. They're actually creating costumes here, and they're walking people through the whole process. So they got three costumes. Uh, planned to be designed all weekend. Nice. They're taking it from the ideas level all the way through to the completion so people can walk by and participate and help them design it, help them sew it, things like that. Um, we got the Makerspace Showcase, so all the makerspaces. Uh, we got um, <coughs> you know, the Children's Museum with their big display every year. Uh, we got a really cool 3D uh, pavilion. Uh, with you know, We got virtual reality, 3D printing, uh, 3D story making. Um, all kinds of like interesting ways of using technology in a non-technical way. Okay, uh, so let me uh, interrupt just for a second. For those listeners out there, keep tuned in because here in another segment or two, we're going to be talking to one of the 3D printer companies that's got a booth here. So we'll uh, we'll have a, a 10 or 20 minute segment with that 3D printing company, but go ahead right. with your list. Yep, and then uh, we have an educator's pavilion, so a bunch of schools uh, showing their STEAM programs, uh, represents from those. Uh, we got uh, the Legos uh, display, so Texas Lego User Group, who's been at every Maker Fair, but we also have a whole bunch of companies that have developed uh, tools for Legos to make them electronic, so you can have digital uh, Legos and make circuits from your Legos. We and just talked to eBlocks a few e -blocks, minutes ago. Exactly, yeah. that's yeah. one of the, uh, yeah. the dis uh, exhibitors on display there. Um, and then we have our main stage this year, uh, which is our first. Uh, we had a main stage last year, but we didn't execute very well. It was an experiment. Uh, this year we actually got a professional firm to set up the stage, and okay. we brought in an MC from Canada uh, to help uh, manage the stage. And so that's been a very big success this year. I think that uh, adds another layer to our event and gives us some more capabilities in terms of you know, showing, showcasing our makers and having them, giving them a stage to present what very they cool. are. Very cool, then you, and let's, let's build on that. So you do have presenters, you have talkers and people given kind of mini classes or demonstrations yep. of how to do this. Talk about some of the people that are presenting. Uh, well, we had we actually got some pretty good uh, uh, exhibitor, uh, speakers this year. We got Matt Richardson from the Raspberry Pi Foundation. Okay. Uh, he's the executive director for them. Uh, we brought in Matt, uh, Adam Kemp. Uh, he's a writer for Make. Uh, he's wrote a few books of, uh, on uh, making and the Makerspace workbench. Um, no, we've got, uh, tomorrow we got some pretty exciting stuff. We've got Steve Gonzalez who's going to come and talk about the mission to Mars. Uh, okay. He's heading that uh, part of NASA. Um, so he's going to be talking about that. And then we have a lady named Olga uh, who's a, actually a designer for the International Space Station coming oh, to nice. talk. So we've got okay. some really interesting stuff on Sunday. Uh, we're really trying to broaden the things so when people come 
you know, I want them to come Saturday and Sunday because we've got so much stuff it's that it's not going to be the same experience from day to day. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, yesterday when we were loading in that uh, that you more or less are sold out here. You had to turn some vendors away that you're going so, uh, so much? Yep, yep, yep. This year uh, we're starting to bulge a little um, okay. and you know and so uh, space is becoming a constraint which is a great thing this is what we want um, so next year we're you know, looking forward to possibly expanding to a two hall event oh, um, you no know, it's not a final decision but it'll be, be based on the interest from the exhibitors we're really going to as soon as this event's over we're really going to start planning for next year almost immediately um, so and we have a great 2018 event planned and you mentioned earlier that uh, that you you help out with uh, Comic Palooza, and so that that is an, an event that takes up this entire building from Hall A to Hall E, floors one through three. Uh, is there a big grand vision that we will eventually grow to that size? Uh, absolutely, uh, that's my big grand vision. Uh, Baker's fairs uh, all around the country are averaging about two hundred thousand square feet in size, like the larger okay. largest ones. Um, so, and, and just for comparison reasons, one hall in the GRB is about one hundred twenty thousand square feet. Okay. So, in theory, if we go to two halls, will be two hundred forty thousand. Feet will be the largest maker fair in the country. Wow, okay, okay. and that, that kind of makes sense. We're here surrounded by the uh, premier medical facility. We've got NASA just down the street. We've got the oil industry all around us, so there's there's definitely support for it if we can keep getting the word out. Right, so. well, and the other thing is I want to draw more international makers. Uh, the other thing about Houston is we got a lot of um, um, consulates. Uh, we got, I think it's the highest concentration of consulates or oh, one wow. of the highest in the country. Okay. Um, so, you know, if we can get a lot more international makers, that's really going to drive us the capability to grow larger because I want more more of that international flavor to our fair and make it more multinational, multi-disciplined, you know, uh, um, you know, and covering everything from artists to makers to, you know, um, anyone who wants to create and make stuff. So. Yeah, let's, uh, let's kind of just look around the room here. So we're here in the posometry booth, lucky enough to be right basically at the front door. Uh, the very first booth that they see is, is the posometry booth, the sponsor of the Lumen Innovation podcast. But looking around, we see uh, EPO as a local uh, electronics. Uh, it's kind of a nerd kingdom. It's an amazing place. They've got all kinds of fun, nerdy, geeky electronics and motor things. So that, their booth is just down the, down the way here a little bit. Uh, I remember seeing the huge big Lego uh, booths down there where they're right. just huge, big 20-foot-long Lego displays. It's amazing. I can't believe you missed the Adventure Playground. I, I haven't had a chance to go and explore them. It, it definitely looks interesting. It's all kinds of cool stuff going on there, uh, which is actually great. I'm glad you missed that because because I want to have you spend some time on on this is a kids' event. This is It's a kids' and adult event. Let's not underestimate the kid aspect of this. Right. Go ahead and spend yeah, some yeah. time on that. Yeah, so we, we want it to be a family-friendly event, right? So yeah. and, and we want it to be an event that caters to all ages, right? So we want to inspire our youngest children to know, make and create and, and, and use their imaginations. But you know, we influence people at all ages, you know, even the adults. There's, so there's stuff here for kids, but there's also a whole other section of stuff that is adult-related. You know, all the makerspace stuff, some of the more advanced makerspace things that you can do, uh, heavy-duty industrial design and things like that. So it, it does cater to a broad range of folks, but you know, if you come with your family, everyone is going to get something out of it. A large percentage of the people that stop by this booth I know are families. They're, they're moms and dads and one or two kids or three kids. And typically, when you think of the maker movement, you think of uh, kind of geeks and nerds in their parents' basement programming. And uh, that is certainly part of the history and, and perhaps even part of the current of the maker movement. But there is no question that it is expanding to be a family-wide uh, activity, that there's uh, kids of all ages are creating and making and building. And it is definitely neat to see that. And, it, and it, it's good for the demographics, it's good for business, but it's 
good for culture to have kids growing up in this environment. Right. Well, and actually, you know, we're talking about that, you know, usually some of the motivation or the inspiration for some of these makers is actually their children. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Noteworthy 3D earlier um, today, and um, you know, she was telling the story, and I didn't know it beforehand, uh, but how they came up with the idea to create their specialized uh, 3D printed instruments is you know, they wanted something for their kid to play, uh, but you know they they didn't like anything that was available on the market, so they went ahead and designed something that was you know that they could make from home with their scrap materials, um, and then it's now it's turning into a product company that they're actually using their kids, their babies, to actually test their designs and and, and you know and, and see how well it interacts with them in that. So it's you know it a lot of the inspiration comes from your children. It may come from many different places, but a very similar story that backs up the calendar about seven decades is is that, uh, that we had a talker up here, you, perhaps you know his name, that was talking about cameras. I think he was from MIT, is that correct? Uh, oh, uh, you're talking about uh, Dr. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, so yeah. He's, he was up there talking about cameras and photography. Yep. And to build on what you said about kids inspiring things, the, the original, what we know as a Kodak camera that you hit a button and, and film pops out with a picture in a few minutes, that was actually inspired by, was it his daughter or granddaughter? saying, hey, hey, daddy, why can't I hit the button and have the picture now? Right. Well, back in the 20s and 30s when that was done, well, I got him thinking, and a few years later, he's like, well, now we can, we can do that. So, so there's no question that kids are, are, are a big part of the innovation process and, and creating. I'm just going to kind of look around here through the curtains and see what we see. There's a handful of booths of, of 3D printer things. I know there is a booth over there started by a young man who's got some add-ons for Raspberry Pi products. There's definitely a big Raspberry Pi push here this year. Um, I haven't seen too much of the uh, cosplay, but I'm sure that's around, right? We have some cosplay yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have cosplayers here. Uh, we got Comic Palooza represented. Uh, they have uh, their street team uh, out here uh, running around. Uh, we have some cosplayers that are dressed up and come walking around, and then uh, lots of people, you know, designing 3D uh, stuff for their costumes here. Okay, and then we talked to Mr. Rip from uh, from the Texas Torque team up in the Woodlands. There's uh, several robotics teams, seven or eight robotics teams here putting on full-size uh, field, uh, full-size arena competitions. Uh, right. And so those are definitely a good thing. Yeah, we have, I think we're covering most, if not all, of the different robotics competitions. We have the BattleBots this year that okay. are brand new for us. We actually have another new group that's the AI Robotics Club of Houston. Uh, sort of work on with robotics with artificial intelligence, uh, which is a whole new category of robotics, and so it requires a different level of skill uh, to work with them. So we got, you know, it's, it keeps expanding and growing into more and more areas as more people learn. You know, the, the challenge, as you mentioned earlier, is people don't know about the Maker Fair, and then it's like, well, you know, you need to be here, and so they, you know, they attended. This is their first year, so they're very excited to come back next year. So there, this, uh, you, you're right. Earlier, that you know, it's rare to have someone leave here and say, well, that was a wasted 12 bucks or whatever. This is generally a good experience that people, once they get here, they really enjoy it. Do you have any? Uh, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. Uh, do you have any stories of maybe inspiring stories where you can say that yes, this product was absolutely born because we had this Maker Fair, or this student is now going to engineering college because of the Maker Fair, or anything like that? That right. it's well. Um, so every year there's something new that pops up. Um, you no, know, so a couple of years ago we had the uh, Spud com a company called Spud. It's the spontaneous pop-up display. Um, so I remember the that. Yeah, yeah they the were a Kickstarter, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. They last year they uh, launched their Kickstarter project, but the year before they'd come as just students of uh, University of Houston or something like that. Okay. Um, and so they were they had the thought in their head, and so they came with a design. It was just a prototype, and they were interacting with people to understand what 
know, works, what didn't they like, you know, what would they want in the pop-up display like that was. Um, and so they use that feedback loop to create a product that they launched at last year's Maker Faire. Uh, I think they launched it the day over or a few days before. Uh, okay. And it was actually one of the top Kickstarter projects of the year. Um, and so I had asked him at the time, I said, oh, you got to come back next year and tell me how it was. He goes, yeah. well, we got so many orders, I don't know if I'll be able to come back next year. And so and, and, and I reached out to him before this fair and uh, he says, I'm traveling between China and wow. California and all over the world, you know, getting his product manufactured and getting it distributed. So They were um, funded up in the millions of dollars on Kickstarter. I, I believe so, yeah. It was and it was quite a significant amount. And so. for those of you who have not heard of it, that I'm I'm don't know the product as well as I wish it did, but it is a approximately the following where imagine if you're in a meeting and you need to do a projector presentation. Uh, these guys brought projector and screen all in one small product that could fold down into maybe the size of a couple cell phones or something. It could yeah. fold down very small, and you more or less have a projector and a screen yeah. uh, ready to go anytime. Right, and it was an HD screen and it's 22 inch screen. So, yeah. so it's uh, and it's a really nice product. So, uh, so that's one, and then we have a few others. Um, um, you know, we we've got an ideas competition that we partnered with HCC to create. Uh, and so, um, you know, and that competition is we're trying to spawn the next round. So last year, our winners, you no, know, I've, I've been following them. Um, they've been traveling all over the world. They were co competitions in Japan and China, and so they're getting funded for their product. Um, and so I'm lo really looking forward to see tomorrow uh, from 1.30 to 3.30 the next uh, iteration of our Ideas Competition contestants and where they're going to go with this year's event. Okay, that's very good. And, and also the Posometry booth here, I know... Posometry was at your very first event when it was in Stafford, a much smaller event there, and that was before they were on Kickstarter, and Posometry was uh, funded at over $20,000 on Kickstarter a few months after that event, So, yeah. and been back here every time. Uh, so there's there's no, uh, no doubt this event and events like it throughout the country are making a difference in business and making a difference in culture. But at the very basic level, it's a fun thing to come to, just to come and chill for a couple hours. And oh, absolutely. Come and, see absolutely. And come and see and do. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to chilling after the event's over, but yes. absolutely, um, no, if you're an attendee, it's much more pleasurable for you guys. So, <laughs> so I just saw your evil cohort, Andrew Lynch, walking by a few minutes ago. So, so you two are at the top of the Innovation Spark group, but who else, how big is that team that's helping to run this event? That's it, me and Andrew. Just, okay. Uh, and then we have volunteers under us, so my wife has graciously volunteered, and she's put in long hours with me, and and Andrew's wife, and, and, and then you know, we had Harris County Public Library uh, volunteer this year to run our education pavilion, and so we're, what we're trying to do is build a community effort around putting on a Maker Faire and trying to break things up into smaller pieces so, and hand them off to groups who can handle a small piece without committing to doing the whole thing themselves. Okay. Um, so uh, we're really trying to build on that, uh, and you know, Harris County stepped up, and, and, you know, and we're looking for more partners like Children's Museum that to step up next year to help us you know, manage it as we grow, because it will be too big for the small group that we are. Sure, yeah. Well, one more thing before we go. I was just remembering that this morning we had a very unique uh, race going on over here, power tool racing. Can you oh, talk yeah. about that? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm, uh, I'm looking at a watch here, because i got to go do, set up for the next one in uh, okay. 10 minutes. But yeah, the power tools racing uh, is brought to you by the Austin Mini Maker Fair. Uh, they um, you know, brought it down for us, and we're trying to build a comp competition network between us and all the local uh, Highway 10 Maker Fairs, there's one in Lafayette, there's one in Baton Rouge, uh, there's one in New Orleans, and then with us in Austin, uh, we'd like to create a little circuit where we'd all compete with our own uh, Power Tools racers. So if you don't know what it is, come on down. Uh, we got races, uh, demo races going all day, uh, both days. Uh, and uh, you know, it just you got to see it to believe it. It's this really is a, awesome. This is it's a really fun thing to see, but it's kind of reminiscent of the old TV show uh, that 
that uh, the show was called Home Improvement with Tool Time, and it just be it, it reminds me of the silly skits that they would do. You you take a a skill saw perhaps and maybe mount a few wheels on the back and you plug it in and you zip tie the the on button on and it goes down the the sidewalk at 100 mile an hour and, and it pops the cord at the end and it turns off. Yeah. And it's just a fun thing to see and it's just a lot of weird creativity. Okay. Uh, but yeah, very cool thing. So get, uh, one last shout out to how we can get in touch with you and how, how we can get in touch with the Houston Maker Fair again. All right, so the best method we, we prefer is go on Facebook. We have a Facebook page for Innovation Spark and a Facebook page for the Houston Maker Fair. Uh, we, that's become our primary mechanism okay. for communicating with people and it works really well and, and you know, there's so many people on it that uh, it's the de facto standard and it's a lot easier for us to manage. Very cool. Well, thank you for being with us, David Brunet, and thank you for listening to the Luminovation Podcast. Let's break out of the program here for a few seconds to give a shout out to our sponsor, Puzzometry, the hardest puzzle you'll never solve. If you love working on challenging, unique, and beautiful mechanical puzzles, then you've just got to try Puzzometry. P-U-Z-Z-O-M-E-T-R-Y, Puzzometry.com. They have three different puzzles to choose from, and all are for sale at Puzzometry.com. Check it out. You'll be glad that you did. Puzzometry can also be found on Twitter and Facebook. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Luminovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation. Before we get back to the program, I want to let you know that you can find all of the episodes of the Luminovation podcast on our webpage, luminovation.com. That's L-U-M innovation.com, luminovation.com. We are also on iTunes as well as soundcloud.com. Welcome to the Luminovation podcast. I am your host, interim host, Cameron. I'm filling in for Jim here at the Houston Maker Fair. I'm here with Estefany from Estefany Explains It All. Hi. <laughs> or, hey world. <laughs> exactly. Hello world. Um, so, you have a YouTube channel. Explain that a little bit. Explain that. Because <laughs> I explain it all. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I started the YouTube channel about a year ago, and it was mainly to do computer science tutorials. But I'm really interested, well, I was really interested in electronics, but never done anything with it. So one day for Halloween, I decided to do something. And it was the first time and I did that BB-8 pumpkin droid. Yes. And first time I ever played with an Arduino, and it was a lot of fun. And then I was hooked, and I couldn't stop. And actually, I, I don't think I've done any more computer science tutorials ever since, which is really <laughs> bad. I really want to get back to that, but... Um, I really, I have so many ideas and so many projects that I want to create that I just ha don't have the time to do computer science tutorials right now. I was yeah. going to say, so the, the world that you've kind of dived into is so vast. Yes. It, it's, I mean, there's so much room for uh, creativity and so many uh, ideas for videos. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy. Uh, can, can you talk about any of the ideas that you have for, for no videos? Spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> no, then I, how am I going to get views? <laughs> no, but for sure, um, 
I'm obviously going to keep using the Raspberry Pi. I love Raspberry Pi um, and Arduino too. They're just different for, and I use them for different reasons. A lot of people ask me, oh, you only use Raspberry Pi. And I'm like, no, I actually like Arduino too. I just use it for different purposes. Yeah. Like, um, I also have gotten some boards uh, from several companies, like I think a Particle IO sent me a couple boards, and they're more like the IoT. Though they have their own cloud where you can put your code in and all that. But then those things are also for different uh, projects, so you can't do the same project. You probably can't, but it would be a bad idea to do the exact same project with this, with uh, with just one board and just be like, well, I only do. Uh, my projects with Arduino, then you're limiting yourself. Or yeah. I only do it with Raspberry Pi. Well, you're limiting yourself. Not as much, but you are. <laughs> but I mean, there's just certain things that it's just so much better to use just a quick Arduino for servos or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So that's why my newest video, the Halloween make that I did, yeah. that just released this morning, I used three Arduinos <laughs> and a Raspberry Pi. Brains. Yes, yes, the brains. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you saw it. Good. I did, I did. Um, so, because uh, I actually tried putting everything in one Arduino at some point. It was such a bad idea because of the clock. It just didn't work. Yeah. So, I'm learning as I go, and that's why it takes me so long to release <laughs> videos. <laughs> I was going to say, do you pick, do you pick these things up? Uh, do you pick these things up as you go and just learn as you make videos, or do you uh, did you pick these things up from when you were in college, or? I'm learning as I go. Um, so yeah, I just learned how to solder less than a year ago, so or about a year ago. Yeah. I see. So I'm just as I go. I've been learning, and I've been learning a lot. And I think my computer science degree has helped me a lot in problem solving um, specifically, and just like debugging. Electronics, so it's very different than programming, but yeah. at the same time, it's the same thing. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this, but it feels like that. Yeah. I see. So, uh, so you mentioned you've mentioned your computer science degree, and you've uh, you've mentioned that you started out doing the uh, doing the computer science tutorials on YouTube. What made you want to do those things? Oh, you want the <laughs> the honest truth? <laughs> no, I, I, it's fine. I, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I was actually studying for an interview. Um, ah. So I I graduated in t 2014, and a year ago um, I had an opportunity to interview at a big company that I really admire, and I they're known for their hard questions, and I was trying to go back and uh, remember all the data structures and algorithms, questions that yeah. they usually ask. And so I started studying and it was just so, I, I did not feel motivated. I mean, after work, I was tired, I didn't want to study. And it was just, it started to feel, feel really overwhelming. Yeah. And so I remembered that when I was in college, the only way I knew I knew something was if I could teach it to someone else. Yep. And so, and to keep me motivated, I was like, I'm just going to have to make a video. Because, <laughs> like, if I don't have a student, then I'm going to make the world my student. I don't know. Hence and, hello world. Yeah. And, and you know, like, the, the Internet, the people of the Internet are very tough, especially the tech people of the Internet. Yeah. They're going to really kill you if you say something wrong in those tutorials. So I tried my best. To, I was like, okay, if I'm going to talk about this algorithm, I better know what I'm talking about because in the comments, it might just kill me, right? <laughs> you know how it is. So um, that's how it all started. I see. Mm -hmm. So 
if someone else was to follow in your your footsteps and use it as a uh, a method for studying for an interview, I highly recommend it um, to do the videos um, for sure. If you have the six months to study, <laughs> which I had, and it was interesting the way it was set up. But um, I obviously ended up not even interviewing with them at the end because I got just I really pivoted my like my train of thought and what I wanted to do with my life and I was like hooked with YouTube and I just I put you. all my time and energy on that instead. I see. Mm -hmm. And that's completely changed your whole world because you now have this vast audience that listens to you. You were explaining to me that you have sponsors that sponsor yeah. your videos. Um, you're, you interact with Raspberry Pi, the actual company, which is really awesome. Yeah. Uh, the best part, I think, is one of the highlights of uh, my YouTube uh, career. <laughs> yeah, um, I was able to go to the Raspberry Pi Towers in Cambridge, and that was amazing. Awesome. And I met uh, the social media moderator, uh, Alex. She contacted me in around December about a blog that she wanted to write about my video. And then ever since we've been talking a little bit back and forth in email, and then I knew I was going to go to Norway for work. And I plan a trip to London. I always want to go to London anyways. I've never been before. And I asked, what if I just go? And so I emailed her, hey, I'm going to be in the UK. Can I come? That's awesome. It's just like, yeah. So we planned the trip, and it was awesome. I brought my camera. I brought everything, and I made a video at the towers. And I haven't shared it yet because I'm still editing. It's it's a little tough to edit interviews, as you may know. Yep. Um, <laughs> Uh, because we just talk, 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 and talk. <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, so hopefully it's gonna come soon, come out soon, and gotcha. you, and I want to share it with you and everyone uh, just what Raspberry Pi is all about. It's really cool. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Well, I, I don't want to get I don't want this to go too too long because I know Jim doesn't want to have to edit everything and mm -hmm. uh, make make this super super long. So okay. uh, I really appreciate having you on. Uh, Thank if you you don't mind, you can plug your YouTube channel and then uh, we'll hop off. I just say it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for having me and thanks everyone for listening. If uh, Please come subscribe or just watch my videos and if you like it, subscribe, like it, comment. Let me know what you want to you want me to make or see. Um, I'm open to ideas and up for the challenge. Awesome. Yeah. And so uh, that's as Stephanie explains it all uh, right. on YouTube and then uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, um, you can find me through my first name, as Stephanie, which is really long and E S T E F A N N I E. There. <laughs> <laughs> I said it fast because I know we don't have a lot of time, but if you search my name, it usually pops up very fast because gotcha. I have a unique name. And that's why I use my name for my title. <laughs> Stephanie explains it all. It's like, hey. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank right. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. <laughs>